You're listening to A Climate Change with Matt Matter, and I've got three great guests on the program today. I've got Dr. Leslie Field, uh, who's a teacher at Stanford, as well as a holder of 42 patents. Uh, Leslie, Dr. Leslie, has been on the show uh, once before with us. She runs the Bright Ice Initiative. Uh, welcome, Dr. Field, to the show. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. And I've also got uh, Dr. Sumitra Das uh, from the Healthy Climate Initiative. Uh, thank you for being on the program as well. And third guest is Dr. Subarna Bhattachara. Uh, I'm probably mispronouncing that a little bit, but uh, maybe you can help me out on the uh, last name pronunciation, doctor. Thank you. That is Subarna Bhattacharya. Thank you very much. And for being on the program, uh, uh, Doctor, you had been a physicist and worked in applied engineering, climate data, uh, then went to become a climate modeler at Lawrence Livermore Labs. What we're going to be talking about today is the work that all three of you are doing uh, related to the melting of the Himalayan glaciers, which is a bit uh, in the news now with the incredible and devastating flooding in Pakistan. And uh, with that, uh, Leslie, uh, what uh, what are you working on with um, and collaborating together to uh, see what you can do to stop this from happening in the future? Yeah, thank you very much. So as, as you know from previous interview, I started some time ago working on ice. It seemed to me that the loss of reflectivity in the world, many scientists were pointing that that was accelerating climate change. And so I wanted to do something that would reduce climate devastation, hit a key lever point uh, that would allow us to have the time to make that needed transition to sustainable fuels and energy, get off carbon basically. Um, that was planning for the future and I was aiming at sea ice um, and you know, the truth is it's very hard to get permissions to do testing on sea ice. It's international waters. I was warned by the International Maritime Organization that they understood what we were trying to do, but it was gonna take a long, long time to get permissions. That has turned out to be the case. A little over a year ago, Shomitra Das approached me to say, wouldn't your technology work with perhaps helping the Himalayas? And I thought about that glacial ice and it's like, yeah, I think that would. And it was before the current crises were so evident. But, you know, certainly at play were possibility of floods downstream of Himalayan melt and possibility of, of death global, you know, and, and loss of water supplies for that. That part is for over 1.6 billion people. So it's a huge problem. And what has you asking us to be here today, I think, are the things that are recently in the headline of this is not a future thing we're working on anymore. This is right now. This is really devastating. And, you know, over time, the glacial loss of reflectivity and the sea ice loss of reflectivity are about equally important in what's accelerating global warming and climate change as well. So in the long term, we can probably address what I was trying to address in the first place. But right now we've got urgent situations where we can help people now, we think. Um, of course, it always takes some testing and 
some co-development with people who actually understand the situation on the ground, what the, what the challenges really are, what is going to work, what isn't. I know we're going to have to develop our technology a bit farther as we go through that experience, but it's a, it's a mighty collaboration. And I'm so thankful Shomitra is building this incredible team, which includes Subarna, who it's been a pleasure to be working with for years, who does this incredible climate modeling, getting to predict what would happen from a tiny field test if you extrapolated that out into the world. So I'm just absolutely thrilled to be with this completely A team here. Yeah. Well, uh, Dr. Uh, Shomitra Das, uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about uh, your collaboration with uh, Dr. Field and, and, and the Bright Ice Initiative and, and why you think it will work in the Himalayas and, and uh, what you see as next steps. Thank you, Matt. Uh, this is Sean Mitradat from Chair and Executive Director from Helbig Climate Initiative. I was following Leslie's work for some time with um, CI's reflectivity, reducing the, increasing the reflectivity with um, the solutions he has got developed over the years. At the same time, I was watching that how Himalayan glaciers, which is the country that cover eight countries that covers the mountain, are going to face over time, is already experiencing. One problem of this melting we see, as the melting happens, the rapid flow of water causes flood downstream, like Bangladesh today we see in Pakistan, we can we see that in India, and that is happening over the years, and millions of people are getting becoming refugees. On the other side of the problem that let's talk about is that water crisis. These same glaciers create ten mighty rivers or more from this in this country that flow through these countries, and people are dependent on those rivers for their agriculture, for their uh, water, for hydroelectric power. And that, think about that glaciers are not there. What will happen to the water situation, agriculture, and all of things for those countries? And this is also happening in certain parts of those countries, if you notice. Well, we certainly see it here in uh, Southern California or all over California and in our inability to uh, to uh, you know have enough water to 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 drink and to water you know all the things that we need to put water on and um, and it's because the the uh, the snow up in the mountains is melting a lot faster and and we're not getting enough precipitation in those mountains to to hold the water stores that we need and. And the water crisis in the Western United States is just getting worse and worse. So I think the technology that uh, Dr. Uh, Leslie Field has developed is uh, something that could could be a breakthrough for all of these mountainous regions and regions that um, have diminishing uh, ice. So um, what, uh, Dr. Uh, Bhattacharya, uh, what uh, what is your role in in working with uh, these two uh, to uh, bring this work to kind of um, fruition here? Thank you. 
Um, our job at Climformatics, a uh, little bit about us, is that we are a startup working on the climate predictions. And we provide localized climate predictions well ahead of time for you know people, businesses, uh, governments to be able to mitigate the risk of catastrophic climate change. And what we bring to the table in this forum is uh, extensive custom climate modeling expertise and along with analysis, simulations, impact assessments, both locally, globally, you know, near term, what is the immediate impact versus what's going to be the long term impact until when can uh, an intervention be um, till till how much time, how how length, what length of time should the intervention go on? What would happen if you stop the intervention and you know let it um, come back to normal? So we have all those questions when we want when we are thinking about an intervention as a, a climate restoration solution. So our team, myself and my partner. Uh, Dr. Deslina Ivanova, the CTO of Climformatics and the CEO and co-founder, uh, along with Deslina. We both used to be at the lab together, Lawrence Livermore National Lab, when all these questions were, uh, you know, haunting us about climate change and how we can make a difference to our lives today by bringing in this technology. And so our contribution to this work is actually very central in the sense we are able to do the climate modeling regionally over the Himalayas and different parts of the Himalayas and understand how much part of the changes are due to the natural climate variability, how much part of that is due to the pollutions, how much part of that is being driven by the black carbons, and what we should do where, where we should do the intervention to get the optimal impact of this restoration solution. All of that has to be chalked out in detail. Some part of that would be tested through the field test, but field tests are expensive and we cannot actually do experiment over all the Himalayas. So that's where, you know, um, large scale climate modeling comes in. That's our well, that's, role. Well, that's, uh, thank you for that explanation. And uh, it seems as though that's obviously a key component. Let's back up just a, a second. And uh, Leslie, maybe you can explain to the audience in the 30 seconds before our break, and maybe we can come back to this after the break, is uh, what exactly are the uh, the chemicals that you're using to uh, to uh, do this work and kind of explain how you, you came to this? Uh, we've got about 30 seconds. So uh, well, well, we'll give you a little bit of a thumbnail sketch, and then we'll come back to it after the break. We'll give a start. Yeah. Uh, the crazy question I asked myself all those years ago was, is there a safe reflective material that could be used to help, you know, break that ice albedo feedback loop that that is to allow us to keep the brightness, to keep the reflectivity of ice. And I had a few things I needed. Uh, I wanted something that was already a commercial product in widespread use that had already been vetted for safety. And what I came to was uh, something called uh, sandy hollow glass microspheres. These things are used all over. Many companies make them. They're like a very fine white sand. What's nice about them is they're not a plastic. 
They don't act like a plastic. They don't, they don't have oil trying to cling to them or anything. It's very handy. They float too. Turns out some of the glaciers have gotten dark. And so these materials actually, it looks like so far in small scale tests, um, that they will rise above the darkening agents in some cases. Well, that's, uh, that's an amazing development and a brilliant achievement on you to, for you to uh, come up with this. We'll be back in just one minute. You're listening to A Climate Change, and uh, we've got three uh, eminently qualified guests on the program, and uh, they're going to give you some incredible information about the work they're doing to save the Himalayan glaciers and uh, Arctic ice around the world. So... We'll be back in just one minute. You're listening to A Climate Change. This is Matt Mattern, your host, and I've got uh, Dr. Leslie Field on the program, as well as Dr. Das and Dr. Bhattachara. Um, going back to uh, Dr. Um, Leslie Fields, if you could tell us a little bit more about how you came up with this uh, compound that you're using uh, that's uh, going to help save the Arctic ice. Sure. Um, well, I tried a number of things. Uh, I am, as you kindly stated, an inventor. And, I, you know, I, I've been uh, playing with innovative technologies for a long, long time. And so I'm also not afraid to try things that are a little strange. So I, I considered anything white that would be harmless or anything bright. Um, and over time, so that includes daisies, that includes hay. They don't work very well. Um, <laughs> what I found, and that includes sheets, um, and I found those are so hard to keep in place. But what I did find, uh, you know, just relentlessly searching on the web for bright materials that might be able to float that were hydrophilic. So that was one key thing. Why do I like hydrophilic? What does that mean? That means it likes water, doesn't like oil. It's, it's that sort of thing. And that meant to me that it wouldn't be picking up any oil-based pollutants. It wouldn't be intrinsically poisonous like plastics tend to be or oil-based pollutants. And uh, that it would stay on water or ice once it got there. And I liked those thoughts. Um, it also turns out that it's this sort of material is made out of uh, compounds we all evolved in. It's a lot of it is silica as a glass form, not as a form that causes any harm, but uh, as a form that is glassy. And a lot of the reflectivity, because it's hollow, is from these reflections that you get. If you, you know that if you've got some thin shell of something and you've got light coming in, it bounces off that first layer. It also bounces off that second layer, you know. And so you can end up with a lot of reflectivity with a very adding a very small amount of the material that we all basically evolved with. Um, you know, silica is one of the most abundant materials on the planet. All of that said, though, we continue to have first do no harm as our first and most important principle. And if we ever were to find that there was some strange interaction or some threat, you know, from from this, and we keep doing a lot of diligent testing to, to see it with experts to see if there's any you know, concerns, we would change our material. If we find that it's not effective, we would change our material. And so that's just part of the commitment we have. And uh, you know, just like collaborating with uh, Subarna 
Bhattacharya here for climate modeling, you know, you go to the experts, you get their opinions. We, we are, you know, working with Shomitra because he knows the Himalayan region and he's pulling in other experts. So that, that's a commitment we have. All that said, this, uh, this is our, our favorite choice so far, but you know, the story remains to be written. Well, I, I, I applaud you, the great science behind coming up with that. And uh, it seems as though it's starting to work and, and um, you know, hopefully it can be tested even further. Uh, Shomitra, uh, what do you see as the next uh, step with working with uh, Leslie in terms of rolling this out and, and uh, testing it in the Himalayans? So as I was talking about that technology is a piece of the solution, critical, but still we need more than that to solve this huge problem we have. It's a big problem. Uh, we are talking about the whole Himalayas, which is 3,000 kilometers long, and uh, it crosses eight countries. We, to solve this scale of problem, we need to get in, need to involve bigger entities lot more people, experts from different parts of the world, you need to do that. So when I saw that Suburna's climate modeling, the, the potential, we saw Leslie's solution, I said, what a bright solutions we have in mind, in our hands, but not sure that would take us an actual solving the problem. We need to solve the problem, and that is stop the melting. And at least for another 30, 40 years until this climate is stabilized. How do we get there? So I started thinking the way to get there, the need to have the grassroots movement people, to have the people get the policymakers' attention. And how policymakers, how do you get policymakers' attention? What is their incentive to invest in this thing? They only respond either through crisis or their constituencies demand for it. Unless that we can do it, then I, I am not going to be able to successful. And this climate movement is happening for a long, long period of time. We need to get it. Seems, it seems as though this uh, recent event in Pakistan uh, with uh, the tragic consequences of this flooding would uh, get the politicians uh, thinking that now is the time to act and they need to start investing in, in this technology, right? Right, but not completely. So here is, here is where we are getting there. So this kind of flood is not the first time this happened. Uh, we have several floods. And even in Pakistan, we had several, what he called glacial outbursts first in India a few years ago. And lot of floods in Bangladesh. What we policymakers do, they try to do a band-aid solution at that moment to stop the crisis. What we are trying to do is that, okay, there is a problem. I don't know, and I don't think that the policymakers know there is a solution. What do we want to do? By, we want to do showcase Leslie's and Suburna's work, at the same time, let the whole world know there is a solution, there is a problem. Now we can see this problem. But at the same time, 
We're not telling there is a problem. We have a potential solution that you can use to solve the problem. And that's where the climate concert is coming. That's what the climate concert is not. We are not going to a climate conference and presenting it to the same people we talk to all the time, preaching to the same choir. We want to get millions of people to be part of this climate concert and know they don't have to know the details of the solution. They need to know there are credible people involved making this solution. There is a solution and there is a problem. But we want to get them in a way that for them easy to connect. And that well, is tell us tell us more about this uh, climate con uh, concert and uh, when is it going to happen and uh, how can we support it? So climate concert is a brilliant idea for a lot of people contributing to it, lots and lots of people from all over the world. The idea here, here is that we want global participation. How do we do that? We thought that if we get musicians, performers from all over the world, different at least from each continent, then through them, their, that country could be part of this whole solution, meaning they get to know that there is a problem and they get to know there is a solution and people are working on them. And we have a message for them. Go to your policymakers, go to the UN and tell them there is a solution and work on it. Our life is dependent on it. So that's what the climate concert, getting all musicians from each continent. And it is going to happen November 5 to 10. It is six days, two hours each, every day. And this will be broadcast through online channels and also through other venues like TV, as well as radio like yours. Well, that's great. Uh, certainly, we need to raise awareness. I, I, I have the sense I'm, I may not be accurate because obviously it's hard to know everybody's mindset, but I feel like there's a consciousness shift underway and that people are waking up to the uh, seriousness of this problem. I mean, uh, let's hope it's not too late. Uh, let's hope that we have enough time to turn this around. Um, Subarna, uh, what are you seeing in your modeling, which um, makes you uh, hopeful that this uh, process, uh, that the Bright Ice Initiative and, and Leslie has rolled out is, is going to work when it is scaled? Uh, so we actually have done quite a bit of work uh, thanks to Leslie and her efforts. We did the modeling for the Arctic ice, uh, sea ice, um, as to how it's going to behave if indeed uh, Leslie's uh, suggested innovative materials are sprayed onto the bare sea ice. And some of those results are very promising. It suggests that we can definitely have the ice pack, which is right now melting and becoming thinner, we can grow it back as a multi-year ice pack. And in doing so, we would also be able to stave off the sunlight, 
reasonably at, to the extent that it would make a difference in the you know watts per square meter um, that would be sent back to the space because of this reflection and there are many other impacts uh, like there there is some impact some uh, small um, slowing down of the rise in temperature but what is important is we made a very conservative experiment and even that is showing these results which is very promising and we expect that now when we get, so there the first set of results were published in earth's future using arctic wide you know entire sea ice in the arctic getting deployed with this innovation then we are currently much more ex uh, you know excited about a regional strategic, smaller um, region application of the same um, materials and ran several sets of sensitivity experiments, which actually shows lots of promise, particularly with respect to handling and mitigating the issues of the Arctic amplification. If we can slow down the Arctic amplification, that can slow down a lot of this, you know, extreme weather uh, generating uh, phenomena and processes. That's, that is a, a potential breakthrough of, uh, you know, tremendous importance for all of us. So you're listening to A Climate Change. This is Matt Mattern, your host, and we'll be back in just one minute uh, talking with three of the top scientists in the world about uh how we can make a change that would save our ice and glaciers around the world. You're listening to A Climate Change. This is your host, Matt Mattern, and uh, we were just talking uh, with Suburna Bhattachara. And uh, doctor, um, tell us a little bit, you were just finishing up your answer as to why um, these uh, tests that you've been running are and the data modeling that you've been doing are promising and particularly on a regional basis uh, because you're not planning to blanket the entire Himalayas with uh, Dr. Leslie Fields' uh, silicon compound, correct? That's right. So we tested this on a smaller region um, but a very important region of the Fram Strait. And that's where we saw very promising results because Fram Strait is a particularly important strategic, strategic area because that's where all the sea ice from the Arctic, you know, flows out of the Arctic into the Atlantic through the Fram Strait. And that's how uh, we keep losing the sea ice. But this um, this intervention, if deployed on the Fram Strait, has a lot of promise because it slows down that flowing of the sea ice into the Atlantic. And as a result of that, there are a whole lot of dynamic changes um, that happens, and it that. Other, other than the fact that it also affects the atmospheric and sea ice circulation, and that's what reduces the sea ice export into the Atlantic and keeps building the thicker sea ice into the Central Arctic, and that's what builds the multi-year ice pack back. 
And so well, all of that is very promising. Well, Leslie, tell us uh, just from an engineering perspective, uh, how that could be accomplished, how much you, you would material you would need to uh, to make that really work. And uh, is that years away or decades? How, how far away is um, is that process from actually happening? Yeah, really important. Um, so the the wish, the the aim has always been a localized modification, right? And on sea ice, as as Barna is, is saying correctly, you know, taking the results from our tiny tests that we've done on a pond, for instance, but taking the data from that and extrapolating it out, is is how we get to determine how effective could it be. Um, Sea ice is a long way away still, I think. I think we're still extremely far from permissions. I think we are extremely, because it is international waters, it's the whole world's thing. And nobody so far, I think, is feeling the same kind of pain that they're feeling regionally in the Himalayas, for instance, where you know homes are, are disappearing, lives are disappearing. And so it's, it's a different matter. So I think on the Himalayas, we have a chance of getting there next year with permissions and collaborations. There may even be a small test this year. Again, permissions and collaborations. And it's people who are seeing right in their backyards the, the direness of this. So this is the faster um, solution and it's the more urgent solution to find the right regions where we can help the most people and have the best fit to our technology, however we we co-develop it so that it has that fit and just start addressing really urgent situations, again, regionally. And that's uh, something you can get permissions for. And, and Shomitra and our whole teams, right, we're, we're all working on this Himalayan Melt Working Group together and on the Climate Benefit Concert together um, with many more people you're not seeing here. Um, you know, that, that this is where the permissions and the ability to get this done will come from. Still needs funding, but you know we're we're getting there, and so I think we may see at least initial testing in some key regions. Uh, you know, tiny this year, probably just to get our feet wet, so to speak, and then the following year, more impactful. We hope. Well, that's great, and it always takes a first step. So you're taking the first steps, and it's unfortunate that it probably took some kind of tragedy to open people's eyes to the need to act and act quickly. Uh, but uh, at least their lives uh, will not be lost in vain if we can come up with a solution and, and move forward to, uh, to rectify the situation before obviously millions and billions of other people are adversely affected. So uh where do you think, uh, Sumitra, this is in the process of getting approval from governments uh, that the eight governments that, um, you know, are in charge of the Himalayas? Thank you, Bat, for the question. Very, very important question. So right now, what we have done, created a working group, Himalayan Milk Working Group, that uh, consist of scientists working from in that area. So when I, let me back up. When I met Subarna and uh, Leslie, um, 
I thought, okay, they, the solution can be useful, so we can do modeling, but we need local experts who have that experience of that area. So we started looking for, it took take me uh, quite some time looking for those people. So we got people from Nepal, India, and even from Germany who had experience with Himalayan glaciers, worked there for several years. Formed a team and we meet regularly to discuss how we can get there. So we are in the process of planning to with the scientists, how we can get the different scenarios. We can test it out that under which scenarios this solution would best possible. If we cannot see that, okay, this solution, this scenario doesn't work well, what other solution you can use to fix the problem? So this is the testing scenarios we are thinking at this time. At the same time, a group of scientists are going to Himalayas within a month. And they are coming going from Indian Institute of Technologies, which is one of the premier or the premier institutes in India going to Himalayas to their testing. And they offered us that, look, we can do a small pre-trial. If we get the materials that Leslie showed, then we can go and see that what kind of results we are getting. So we are in that process of getting, we have the team, expertise, and now, and also the government institutes like IIT, Geological Survey India, other uh, academic institutes are now part of this process. So the permission is not very hard. The area is going to be small. So it's not going to be eight countries, but just in India, we first thought in Nepal, now we are thinking about India, small test. And climate concept is bringing up to other countries that you know, we can do not only in India, but also in other countries as well. So that's the next step. So one step at a time, first step is that, okay, this how does it work in this under these different conditions? And then second step is that, okay, it works well, and the people now, United Nations, we can get rid We are trying to you know, align United Nations with it. And the next step is that, okay, it works well. Then how about the next eight countries together? You see well, that? Sure that that's, uh, thank you for giving us that uh, information and giving us a better context for how this is moving forward. Uh, Subarna, uh, in terms of modeling how large of an area would it take uh, based upon your current modeling to make a significant impact um, in slowing down the, the melt of the Himalayan glaciers? You know, the study we did is in the Arctic and those terrains are very different than the ones in India, particularly uh, if you look at the Himalayan terrains, it's much more rugged and there's a lot more different kind of regional local climate dynamics in play there and so we would not be able to directly take the results from the arctic and apply it there we have to do those modeling separately to be able to answer this but uh, we expect that um, even in a very fine high resolution grid 
uh, we would be able to get um, the impact over all of the Himalayas, uh, the impact of a small region and treating that um, with this intervention and what the impact of that would be over all the Himalayas, that we wish we should be able to do. So you really have to wait until you do these tests that you've That's got right. planned. Yes. Uh, that will hopefully be going forward in 2022 and and mm -hmm. uh, and in 2023, which will give you the data in order to make uh, better modeling decisions or better, you know, have better a higher degree of confidence as to what the results will be going forward. Right. Um, That's right. So uh, you're listening to A Climate Change. This is Matt Mattern, your host, and uh, we have three great scientists on the program today uh, giving us a great uh, lesson in what, uh, what can be done to help stop the effects of global warming and turn back the clock a bit to give us a little more time to solve these problems. So we'll be right back. Stay tuned. You're listening to A Climate Change. This is Matt Mattern, your host. And uh, we were just talking to Dr. Subarna Bhattachara. And uh, doctor, you were talking about um, the effects on the Himalayan region. Uh, and I don't know if you had finished your answer in terms of how does this affect the, uh, the farming uh, related to uh, people who live in that region? Oh, this is absolutely central to the you know supporting the agriculture irrigation and much of you know human life in the Indian uh, northern fertile plains, which is you know some among the most populated part of India. And uh, saving the Himalayan glaciers is going to save the or ensure the continuity of these big rivers. There are about nineteen big rivers. In the in not only India but the whole Indian subcontinent, which is fed from those glaciers in the Himalayas, and so retreating glaciers would also mean retreating the rivers, which is going to affect the irrigation, the uh, agriculture, the basic food security of this region. And the yeah. other problem we are having, uh, or we are actually going to face, is that of the sea level rise. So not only the inland areas, but also the coastal areas are going to get affected with this additional freshwater melt going into the sea. And that's going to raise the local sea level. And uh, it, it could also affect the coastal sea levels around other countries and other continents. And so it's all one big connected problem. And it is imperative that we bring down our emissions. And it may not be one solution that is going to uh, do the magic. It's a multiple set of solutions that have to be put together, you know, a conscious effort to reduce pollutions, reduce emissions, um, put uh, Leslie's uh, in innovation in place. All of this have to be working together to make this happen and well, uh, modeling can show exactly where and how much all of that needs to be done and 
I just wanted to uh, remind the audience that this concert, a climate concert, is going to be occurring on November 5th through November 10th. And uh, tell us uh, a little bit, uh, Leslie, as to how people can be involved in this and, and uh, contribute. Oh, yeah, it's, it, that's an exciting collaboration, and it's got uh, more joy in it <laughs> in some ways, right, to be able to get music together. It turns out that several of us in the group are, are musicians ourselves, and so we're contributing some of our music. We're rounding up uh, other performers and, and such to join in, and that's a, that is how we get this international collaboration going, and that's, that's exciting in itself. But then uh, people are, there are sponsorship opportunities for companies uh, for the costs of the concert. And then there's, uh, Shomitra, correct me if I've got this wrong, but I believe that we've got then a crowdfunding component. You know, you can contribute a little or a lot, uh, you know, as you see fit for watching the concert. Uh, I think it's free actually, if you if you can't even contribute anything. So, so what's the... Tell the audience uh, how they can uh, participate in crowdfunding. I'm going to leave that to Shamitra. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, Shamitra, tell us a little bit about how people can participate in crowdfunding and and uh, listening to it online. So crowdfunding, we have set up a donor box, and I can send a link for the donor box. That's that's the one thing. So you can click on this and you can put $1.50 to whatever amount. You can know amount is small amount for us. So that's the one way you can help us. If you have a company, we are targeting 1 million viewers. Potentially we can get there and we have a plan how we can get there. For them who want to showcase those companies, climate-friendly companies, we, they can sponsor. We have three, four levels of opportunities uh, for sponsorship. And thirdly, you can help us by the share participation. Right. We want you to join and we have a link for you. Have, we can share that link. You can join through that. Also, we can, we'll give you that other stations where if your local area, the TV. You can look at uh, your website, Healthy Climate Initiative. Uh, .org. Yes. Healthyclimateinitiative.org. You'll find all the information there. Okay, great. Well, uh, yeah, and we'll certainly post this up on our website. And I um, I think that uh, it's a great, get, great program and get awareness of this problem out to the, the masses and uh, have them talk to their representatives about uh, taking action because we need to start taking action. Uh, Leslie, what do you see as uh, the next steps in, in the Himalayas and kind of from an engineering challenge, uh, do you have the ability or you know contracting with manufacturers to produce enough of this silica to make a meaningful uh, impact? Ah, yes, there are companies who are working with different variants of this, one of which is using recycled glass. I'm really excited about that. That, that uh, opens up potentially a really large new source of such materials. Um, 
we are continuing to test things as we can in a pretest. You know, what what is happening with darkening agents? What's happening with slopes? Uh, things like that, because those are incredibly important questions we're going to face when we get to the Himalayas. And this conference last week, the Cryosphere 2022 conference in Iceland was just a, what an incredible source of knowledge from people all over the world, you know, pouring in their knowledge. One of the next steps might be to send ourselves to two seasons a year in which we can experiment. And while I was at that conference, uh, someone from Chile saw, saw our work and got very excited about that. That would give us the two experimental seasons a year that would be incredibly important as well. Um, we're of course always limited by funding. And so I love that this climate benefit concert is going to be helping uh, to let us get the field work done, get that in place. And we always need more talented people. So, you know, it, it really is, you know, one or two people can do a bunch, but you can do a lot more uh, with, with the right experts uh, worldwide. Are you going to be at the next COP uh, conference? And uh, what's your plan of action there? I'm not sure that I will in person. Um, it is a not, you know, it's a live streamed concert. I tried to be at the last one and had unfortunately was still uh, not testing negative for COVID uh, at the time that I, I would have been able to be there. We had gotten a green zone exhibition, big poster there. Uh, Shamitra was there as part of the team that did get to present it. So we have had a cop presence, but I didn't get to be there. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe this year. Uh, Shamitra, what do you see uh, on the horizon for you and, and, uh, and uh, any cooperation or uh, collaboration with the folks at COP and, and um, how do you see that uh, playing out for, for the Bright Ice Initiative and uh, the work being done in the Himalayas? The number one task we have are many out of many tasks. The number one is that get this field trial going, regardless whether we have money or not, but let us find a way to solve that problem. Even that means that get from our own pocket to solve that thing. So that's something we got to do. Number one thing, field trial. Number two. So, so tell us how much is the field trial going to cost? We are thinking about a million dollars, not oh, a Okay, so it's doable. So we've got 30 seconds, Shramitra. Anything, uh, final words for our audience uh, before we wrap this up? So I am very optimistic that the solution would work. I am also very optimistic that we are going to raise awareness in our climate uh, benefit concert with million, one million people, begin with one million people, and we'll knock on the door for UN to sponsor next time our effort when we have sometimes in a couple of years. So that is uh, what I'm thinking about. I'm very optimistic we'll be able to get collaboration. Well, I, appreciate, I appreciate all of you being on the show. I wish I had another hour or two to talk with you. You're listening to A Climate Change. I've had Dr. Leslie Field, Dr. Shomitra Das, and Dr. Subarna Bhattachara. Uh, on the program. And it's been my pleasure to talk with all three of you about the great work that you're doing and uh, look forward to uh, staying in touch with you and uh, promoting the climate concert, which we will uh, have on our website and rolling and promoting that out to all of our sources. Uh, till next week, have you all listeners back uh, with us. 
and uh, have a great week, everybody. 